Welcome to our Trade Academy podcast series in which our experts simplify complex concepts involved in international trade and trade finance. In this episode, we provide a guide to import finance and begin by looking at the key points from the terminology used through to trade cycles, as well as funded and unfunded facilities. We welcome you all to the training on international trade imports. My name is Royston Fernando. And I am Mona Mohammed. We are your hosts today. This training is presented by HSBC's client services team within Global Trade and Receivable Finance. Before we get into the very technical matters of imports, let's look, up, let's look into some keys for successfully navigating the complex waters of international trade. This is certainly not all of it, but some important points to consider. Okay, the first one, contract. Before purchasing and importing foreign products, make sure you issue a formal written document that includes all of the significant issues to the buyer and the seller such as product acceptance, warranties, dispute resolution procedures. Otherwise, you will expose your business to significant risks, which may be very difficult to control. Next is license, permits, policies and procedures. It is essential that you fully understand whether or not importing your product will require a license or permit. Furthermore, there are certain goods that may be subject to specific requirements with regards to their testing, marketing, certification, labeling, packaging, and documentation. Pricing and inco terms. Well, this may be a, a no-brainer, but it is always important to understand the deal in which you are getting yourself. Suppliers are obliged to submit a term of sale alongside each quotation submission. It is your responsibility to fully understand the costs, rights and obligations included in these INCO terms. This will also help you estimate your costs more accurately. Right. And the next one is classify your products. The harmonized tariff schedule classification, that is the HS, of a product is what determines the rate of duty applied to it. Therefore, it is very important that you assign the correct classification to your products. Suppliers, before making any financial transactions, you need to ensure that the seller which you are dealing with is reliable. This is when you should conduct extensive research in terms of uh, their reputation, financial status and overall history. Doing business with unfamiliar suppliers can be risky, so you have to have to be prepared. Next is payment method. In our first episode of this Trade Academy series, we discussed extensively on the common payment methods, that is, advanced payment, open account trading, documentary collections, and documentary credits. It is important for you to agree with the seller on the most suitable payment method for your trade, considering the risks and challenges. Okay, so that's uh, something about the process and certain key elements. We will now quickly have a look on the the trade cycle and what HSBC uh, does. So given typical trade cycle for a trader, the number of days for completion of the trade cycle will depend on various aspects, such as the trade terms agreed with your suppliers and buyers, transportation method that is sea freight or air freight, or maybe even a local truck consignment, the stock days, Bankers, your relationship management team, will use the trade cycles 
to determine the trade facilities a buyer or seller would need. Now for disbursement of import facilities, your trade business development manager would almost always ask you to provide the agreed payment methods with your supplier, the credit terms, the cost of goods sold, and would also need to know the import facilities you may have with your other bankers. Again, to determine the need and propose a needed facility to our risk teams for their consideration and approval. So the trade cycle is, is very important and this is something that all bankers, all good banks would come to you, talk to you and come up with the right uh, suite of import products. Moving on. Yep. Now, based on the importer's trade cycle, your relationship manager and business development manager will arrange for you to avail various import products which may be offered to you. The import products will be earmarked against our trade facilities and categorized under funded limits and unfunded limits. When side letter of credit and usance letter of credits are issued, they are marked under the unfunded limits as they are considered as contingent liabilities until presentation of complying documents are submitted to the issuing bank of the documentary credit. Your funded facilities will include post-shipment bio-loans, also known to most of us as clean import loans. Your pre-shipment bio-loans are also known as advanced payment loans. Then we have the deferred payment bills that are booked under your funded limits once the bills are accepted to pay on a certain maturity. Shipping guarantees, avalization of invert collections are also some of the import products that are earmarked against cash or funded line. It is important also to note that the invert collection bills that are not avalized, I repeat myself, that are not avalized, do not require to be earmarked against any facility that is against a funded or a non-funded line. And we will explain why. All right. So the unfunded facilities. Now let's look into this a little closer. Now remember, as mentioned earlier, the DCs, whether issued as site letter of credit or usance letter of credit, at the time of issuance, they are considered an contingent liability to the bank. That is, the bank has undertaken and promised to pay on the condition that the supplier or the beneficiary will present documents in line with the terms of the DC. So when documents are presented, the liabilities that are booked under unfunded lines will then move to funded lines when documents are presented and accepted to pay. Now, such are like site letters of credit, which uh, has rules UCB 600. The payment terms could be at site. The bank will debit the importer's account on the handover of documents to the importer. Now, documents submitted under DCs are called BRs, bills receivable. Payment of BR, bills receivables, to client's account or disbursement of sale. Often, we see that our clients will request the bank to make payment to the beneficiary by granting a clean import loan. However, if the money is available, as instructed in the bill advice, the account will be debited directly and payment made to the beneficiary via their bankers. Trade limits booked under unfunded import facilities as per the FOL. 
Now, charges commissions applicable per month for a minimum of three months at the time of issuance. Usance letters of credit, BPC, and uh, HSBC records all usance letters of credit as DPC. Pretty much the same as the site letter of credit with differences to payment terms, that is to pay at maturity as opposed to paying immediately. Bills submitted under DPCs are called DPB, Deferred Payment Bills. Thanks, Mona. So we had a quick look at the unfunded facilities. Now we'll just dive into funded facilities and the import products they're under. The clean import loans can be used to settle an open account trade payment, a collection bill, and also a DCB. Yeah, I repeat myself. The clean import loans can be used to settle an open account item or a collection bill or a DC bill. They are dispersed on the importer's instructions, usually via the bill advice for collections and DCs. Clean import loans are applied for via HSBC net for open account trade terms with the required copy of, of an invoice, a commercial invoice, and a transport document. The pre-shipment buyer loan, also known as PNP for most customers who are dealing with this product, is a loan granted before shipment takes place, unlike the clean import loans, where the loan is granted after shipment. The loans may be granted for the full invoice value, the full performer invoice value, or for a part, depending on the agreement with your suppliers. Often, the PNPs may be converted to a clean import loan soon after the shipment takes place and we would recommend that you speak with your business development managers and your relationship management team to assist in structuring your trade facilities in this manner. In the event a pre-shipment loan is for a part payment of the Proforma invoice, the rest of the payment may be made once the shipment takes place of an OACIL or in the event of a collection situation, or even in the situation of a DC. A similar advance payment can be done using DCs as well. And that is via issuance of a red clause DC, which is not a very common product amongst both buyers and sellers. But this is for you to know that advance payment DCs are available and may be used, but the issuance of such DCs are of course subject to internal approvals. The tenor of the loans will be determined by the trade cycle and charges are made of interest and processing fees. Payment on due dates to the debit of the client's account or even by the discounts of receivables, finance products or discounts of export bills. The trade limit booked for these uh, products are funded import facilities that are available in your facilities of a letter. All DPBs or deferred payment bills are booked under funded or import cash lines. This is because the issuing bank of the DC has given its acceptance to pay on due date. Once acceptance is given, the bank is obliged to pay under the DC to the beneficiary on maturity. In order to settle the bill, the importers may avail a clean import loan again or make settlement to the debit of the account if monies are available. The applicable commissions are based on the tenor of the usance DC. We'll go into the third one, shipping guarantees. They are a written guarantee signed by the bank issued to the importer for taking charge of the goods from the shipping company in the case of arrival of cargo prior to the shipping documents. 
the value of the undertaking of the shipping guarantee will be to the maximum amount as per the commercial invoice. Charges applicable again will be up to the time. The documents are received and handed over to the importer. For collection bills, banks do not give an undertaking other than when a collection document is subject to an avalization. So let's dive into some keynotes for avalization. The remitting bank or the supplier's bank must clearly state in the covering schedule that documents are to be delivered under co-acceptance. These are some of the words that remitting banks or suppliers would use. I would repeat that again. The covering schedule will state that documents are to be delivered under co-acceptance or against avalization or against guarantee by a bank. These are some of the terminologies used by remitting banks or suppliers banks. The collecting bank or the importer's bank must clearly state in their advice to the importer. Terminology in URC 522 refers as drawy for importer that the documents are to be delivered on acceptance of drafts against avalization. Drafts to be signed and the authorization of avalization advised to be countersigned by the importer or drawee and presented to the collecting bank. Thereafter, the collecting bank will earmark the liability as an avalized document and will communicate their irrevocable undertaking to pay on due date to the remitting bank or the supplier's bank, in other words. After the bill of exchange is avalized, the drawer's bank may be happy to discount the bill in their books and pay the drawer up front. The drawer's bank will have to be satisfied on the bank and country risk. It is assuming of the bank that has given its undertaking to pay at maturity. That's it for this episode. Please join us in the next installment to learn more about import finance. This will include IBCs, that's inward collection bills, as well as inspection certificates. We'll also be looking at risks for importers, along with fraud in documentation.